Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. And welcome back to Once Upon a Timing, your podcast all about magic mushrooms, brocations, and a pretty, pretty darn awkward date there, Abby. But I was, I was rooting for these two, and then Hook said, "I loved you," and my heart, it fell to the floor. Oh, it hurt. Yeah, like it was. That was, that was tough. That was a tough one. Uh, proud of him. He said it. He said it with his whole chest, and he walked out proud. I mean, he walked right into what she was asking him to do. But it, he, I'm proud of him. Proud of him. Yes, we we are we are all we 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 stand we stand a hook who stands up for himself, and now he's getting a thief, and he's going to go into some mischief. Mischief. We love mischievous hook. All right, everyone. We are talking about season five, episode three, a siege perilous. Which, Abby, it means, what does it mean? What is siege, siege perilous? Siege perilous. Well, siege apparently uh, means just seat. Uh, this is the siege version of not uh, taking over a fortress situation. Uh, yeah, so it, basically it's the, this is my favorite part, is like it's the seat at King Arthur's table where you're supposed to sit if you are the one destined to find the Holy Grail. But if anyone else sits in it and not see the siege perilous, they are doomed. They are doomed to death. Oh, like I, like men who fall in love with Owen's women's impractical magic. I'm I'm guessing for for King Arthur, based on what, how he, we see him treat uh treat the people closest to him. I'm guessing either way, he's not really going to care if 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 David accomplishes the task Arthur wants him to. Eventually, he's like, oh sweet, if he dies from sitting in a chair he's not destined for, Arthur's going to be like, okay, next. I, I wonder if I wonder if the siege perilous seat is like the Iron Throne, where like you sit down, it scrapes you. You're just like, oh shit, oh, this seat's full of corners. Like, what's going on? Why am I bleeding constantly? Oh no, no, my fingers need amputated. Um, yeah, it's actually yeah, interesting. Feel, in yeah. Game of Thrones, they never really did that, but in House of the Dragon, it's like a plot point. Like the, it, this, they yeah. they did it a couple of times in Game of Thrones, but they don't make a thing of it. Yeah, like you see it cut Joffrey at some point, but it's not his fingers don't fall off because of it. Yeah, like it's just one of those shit. And I think it cuts someone else, and I don't remember who it does, but I just remember someone someone else gets nicked by it, and I don't remember who it is. Um, but anyway, yes. yes. So Siege Perilous is the Iron Throne of the Round Table. <laughs> well, this episode was directed by Ralph Hemmicker, who is a long uh, longtime standing um, Once Upon a Time director, and was written by Jane Espenson. And you can definitely see the Espenson-iness in this in this script. Um, she's she's got her strength and her not strengths, and they're both on display here because there's a lot of fun. There's a lot of great character moments. There's some really good performances. But then there's a few things that are very out of character for this show. And one thing in particular 
that I remember when we first talked about this episode in the long, long ago, this was for us kind of a, uh, a, a no-no, like a big show oopsie. And I still feel that way. The last thing. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember, I remember when we talked about it, it was the first like, cause we had just started recording. I mean, this is the third episode we had done and we had been kind of like, yeah, this is fine. Let's just see where it's going. And we were being very like, we had, I don't know if we'd fully found our voice of how we were going to do it. And we were like, still being kind of magnanimous. And this is the part you and I just both went hard pass. No, <laughs> yeah. don't care for this. Uh, this offers a whole bunch of stuff. And like, but you know what? And I just remember the gleam, little glimmer of hope. You know what? I bet they, I bet they resolve this real nicely. I don't think it gets talked about ever again. No, no, this is this. Yeah, no. That this no. th- th- this guy we'll is there. off the mortal coil and he is near to return, which is fitting because he drank a viper poison. Coil. Viper. Snake. Coil. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and start by talking about Doc Emma. Doc Emma. For just a little bit because she's got her own plans that she's working on. At first, the plan is bad and then it's less bad. So that's pretty good because Emma needs to figure out how to get Excalibur out of the stone. And that's that is that is her 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 only thing she's doing right now. She first assumed she could just pull it. That did not work. And then the voice in her head was like, you have to pay a great price. And I was like, "Okay, the price is one axe, please. I I am obsessed with her thought process here. Like again, and you see it and I'm going to harp on it every time it happens, but you can tell they were just like, the dwarves need more to do. We need to be the center port. But Grumpy will be the only one talking and making the dynamic stranger um, because that's what it is. Like she goes down to talk to the dwarves and just Grumpy is just yelling immediately. Yeah. And it's like, and she's taking Happy's axe. Like she's not even taking Grumpy's axe. And yet Grumpy is like infuriated on his behalf because Happy can barely have any lines. Yeah. And then none of them do anything about it. They, and then Emma just gets to have her cool line that she thought of while she walked there. Yes. So she's like, <laughs> I've learned if, if you have something that has your name on it, hold on to it. And she's like, psych, I'm holding on to this. Bye. And she goes to try and use it to break the stone. Of course, this wasn't going to work, Emma. Emma. So, so, hmm. she's, so she's not really a, a mason of any sort because apparently taking an axe, a pickaxe, to st- like, it just, I don't know why she thought this was going to work. And also R.I.P. Happy's axe. That's like, the, he got that when he was first hatched from the egg. Yeah. That's like his special, his special boy axe. And now that it's gone. That told him his name. Yeah. It just changes while she walks back to her basement. It just changes to heartbroken. <laughs> just missing his ass. Oh, yeah. He's just wailing go. in the. He's no longer happy. This was the only thing bringing him joy. I wanted to see like, and again, they might have done this. I think if they remade this now, there would definitely be more. We'll call it the marvelization of comedy that goes along with these things. Having like a Thor hammer. Like the first Thor movie when like all the plebs in like Arizona or wherever they were or Nevada. No, they were in New Mexico. Doesn't matter. They were out there in a desert and Mjolnir landed and it was just all these rednecks with trucks trying to drag this damn thing out before, you know, the the FBI found it. I just wanted that. Like Emma trying a thousand different things 
with some fun punk music that was going on. That would have been fun. Yeah, some knocks her back against the wall. She like a, a little tuft of hair falls forward and she like uses her, her she goes <laughs> and like blows it out of her face. She's like, oh, attempt. And then like, and then you just have the rumple voice in the back just counting all the attempts. Oh, attempt number 43. I have a good feeling about this one. <laughs> Maybe you shouldn't try the, Oh, oh, she tried it and then just like rumple like it's just a shot of rumple and he's just like following her off camera with his eyes just whoa. No, 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 no. Oh, oh, just all it's just she's doing nothing. It's just him acting on his face like again with like some sort of like one way or another. I've got to get you, get you, get you. And it's just her failing. Constantly. Oh, I see. This would have never worked in the show that they had built, but it would no. work in the show that we deserved. The show we've built in our brains. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it would have worked great. Well, as we're going to get to David, Mary Margaret, and the dwarves and their whole thing, because that's tied very much into uh, David's uh, man problems. Midlife crisis. Yes, exactly. Um, but meanwhile, Emma is like, well, this isn't working, so I got to come up with another plan. And her plan is to go to Hook and uh, ask him uh, for a date because he, uh, she's been told she needs a true hero to pull the sword from the stone. And so my first thought was, oh, she's going to ask him to try and pull the sword from the stone because he's become a hero now. He's, he's, he's changed his ways. And so she invites him out on his ship and, 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 and dolls herself up like on their first date, her hair is looking fabulous and normal. I will say, I don't want to harp on the hair too much in this episode. I felt like the, 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 the compact the compact head looked better in this episode and they also didn't give her as much powder on her eyebrows I thought she looked better in this one I think it works better in the dark yes. like she looks fine in the basement she looks fine when she's being like menacing in different areas but like when she's in full broad daylight it looks it, that's when the cracks start showing it doesn't work right but yeah I had the same thought I was like oh th- this is working and I think it's the lighting. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a very fair point. And like, and then also in contrast, when she has her little sweet ponytail and her pink dress and, but, and I also feel like, how do I wear this? I feel like Jennifer Morrison is getting more comfortable in the role as the dark one. I think she's kind of settling into a bit because I felt her performance in this one was better than we've had in previous ones, which I get. You've played a character for several years. You know them very well. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, now you have a completely different personality. You're pretty much possessed by the devil. Deal with that. And that's a lot for an actor to handle. And I feel like in this episode, especially her dialogue with Hook, where she's like trying to put on the the Emma facade, but then the dark one stuff keeps seeping through. I really liked that. I do too. I think that, and then we can talk about this when a lot of the other, the thousands of other shoes drop in the season. But I do think that she does have a layered performance that if you don't know everything, because we don't, right now we don't know everything. There's a lot of different things that we need to know that lead into why she's being the way that she's being. And it does, if you don't know that going into it, which I think is the other reason that we're buying it a little bit better. Mm. Does that make sense? Like, we kind we know the spoiler, so we're like, oh, it's kind of like, it's got a rewatchability a bit, but if you like you don't, you're just like, I, I feel like her, her, the way she's acting is so strange. And you never account it to storytelling. I think you account it to just bad. Because I think that's how I reacted to it the first time. I was like, oh, this just sucks. And I never thought about how it was... Once you find out the whole of the story. 
Yeah, I think it helps make the performance make a little more sense. But I also don't want to give it too much credit because how do I how do I word this like I don't want to headcanon it to be better than it is like I don't want to like no. you know and I don't think we are but I am afraid no. of that happening yeah to, to be clear I don't think that this is an award-winning performance like I don't I'm not standing up clapping just brava brava throwing it's just amazing I just think that it's better than the first time I watched it because mm. the first time I watched it, I did not understand what was happening and it was reading to me as bad like it was just like oh she doesn't know how to do this and it doesn't work because again we had enough time between seasons to build in your head what you thought a dark emma would be and like my version was different than what happened i think everyone's version no one expected this so it's not it's not an emmy award-winning performance by anyone oscar or whatever but it's I, i think it's a little more tolerable knowing what i know are we comfortable talking about what we know? Because in this scene in particular, I think it's really important to address. Like spoiler talk, like spoiler warning. Are we comfortable kind of talking about that whole thing or do we want to hold on to it? For I think I want to kind of hold on to it. Okay. I, I feel like if we if we, if we we cross that line, because I know we did it a bunch in the other seasons, but like I think this one, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of go into it, like just parsing it out as we go. Okay. We'll put it that way. Well, th- that being said... Uh, knowing what we know, the scene feels especially heartbreaking. Yeah. And I won't go into details as to why, but, you know, there there is a there is a, a connection that Emma has to Hook in this situation. There's, you know, something that she's done for for their love, for their relationship, she's, that she's done for him that we'll find out later. And that really, like... You know, it's not just so much that, oh, you know, Rumple loved Belle, which is what she says. And obviously that's the wrong thing to tell Hook, buddy. Oh, all of that's bad. Stop invoking yeah. Rumple's name in front of him. What are you doing? But the thing is like, and if you just know that, you're like, oh, Emma, that's a bad argument. But then if you know what her whole like situation is, you're like, oh, there's actually a lot more to it than that. You have actually sacrificed a lot. You, yeah. you know, you both have. And he, you know, he can't know what's happening. So anyway, suffice to say the scene was very good. Uh, I thought that, um, uh, who, 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 the actor who plays hook, what's his name again? I forgot. Colin O'Donoghue. Yeah. Thank you. Colin did so great in this episode, even though his hair was looking a little must like it, it, his hair wasn't doing the ideal when he was with Robin in the next scene, it looked a lot better. It was a little yeah. mixed. Yeah. Yeah. The, the hair department is, is a little hit or miss this season. Um, and I will just say to tie on, tie up the conversation that we just mm-hmm. had, I, I do appreciate the irony of the fact that all I do is bitch that I want them to not spoon feed me. And the fact that I'm not being spoon fed in this moment makes it a different scene. And I'm still kind of mad about it. Like, <laughs> just, I believe me, I know I, I am a, I am a, I, I'm aware. We'll just put it that way. I'm aware. <laughs> Sounds all right. Um, well, so Yeah. Sorry, I just totally uh, spaced my brain for just a hot second there. Woo, it's been a fun week. It's great. Woo, party. It's Yay. awesome. Well, Emma tries to basically be like, hey, can we pick up where we left off? Can we do the whole relationship thing? I love you. Do you love me? And then he hits the, her with those three words mm. that break your heart. I loved you. And I was like, oh, shit, this is this is heartbreaking. And and then she's like, all right, keep the ship. And she bounces. 
And you're like, okay, cool. And and while Hook is going to head over and uh, summon a thief to help break into Emma's vault, Emma has done a thing of her own. <laughs> She's, um, Belle found a spell to revive Rumple. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. She just needed something that he touched when he was still a man. And what do you know? Hook had that in his ship and he even told Emma all about it. Yeah. What yeah. are the odds? I know. Isn't that interesting? I will say, again, brooding Hook is always my favorite, especially when he's being like super dramatic. And he was so super dramatic because he was just like, I loved you. Now I assume that this is over. Are you going to? I, I The line was something like, are you going to make me walk? Like, I assume you're not going to let me have my ship back. Are you going to make me walk or make me swim? Let me know now. And I'm like, like, he was just like calling. I, I don't know. I assume that he thought that that was really going to happen. And if he said it, it'd make him feel better. But she was like, no, it's fine. And she just like poofs away. She's like, it's fine. I got to go because she's robbed him. <laughs> well, yeah, she got what she came for. She got yeah. the sword that uh, Rumple had used to threaten him back before he became the Dark One. And I, I, and I do also want to point out Hook's monologue in this scene was very good and it was very well written from Jane Espenson. It really got to the character where it's like, no, Rumple didn't become a better person because of that. He became a killer. I became better because I was the villain in that situation. He wasn't. He was a man trying to keep his family together at any cost. I was the bad guy. I became better. And I'm like, that? Like, I mean, you don't even need Dr. Hopper for that. That is some, that is a moment of clarity. Bravo hook for being self-actualized. And also being like the first person to like claim something that Rumpel did before he was, wasn't the dark one was in any way brave. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he's a coward, he's a coward, he's a coward. Like, he went and fought. He won so outnumbered. And he went to go stand up for his wife. And who who did not like him. Like, like he's a little bit doormatty. Like, he's being walked all over. But he's still, like, he did it. For better or worse, he did it. And, like, I, I love that Hook... Because you're right. This whole little speech he had was so great. And the retrospective he had and the character development of being like, no, I was a monster. <laughs> like, what I did, bad. I was bad. And I acknowledge that. We love it. Yes. We we, we are all for a, a a moody hook who has who's gone to, he must have done virtual therapy or done some sessions with Dr. Hopper because he has figured out some stuff about himself. And yeah. we're all for it. He's actually had a little bit more... Um, closure and introspection on his past life than I think even Regina has had. I don't think Regina's really faced that monster eye to eye. No, like no, she Regina's got recognizes, so much baggage. Yeah, like she recognizes that she has it, but I don't think at any point, like that she would speak it that way. In my memory, I don't think she would have spoken spoken it as clearly. Like she's like, no, I was a bad guy, and she's still just so defeated by it, as opposed to just like owning it and be like, no, it's what I did. I was a monster, you know. Like, and so I I I, I can see that, and that's that's a redemption um, step that you need to be able to make. But anyway, anyway, well, speaking of gold, Rumpelstiltskin, uh, he wakes up uh, in the Dark One's <laughs> basement. I'm sorry. Can we talk about Belle trying to go pick up a full order of food while carrying a giant piece of glassware? (laughs) She can't. 
Like, I'm sorry. She's he's in <laughs> the same town. Like, if somebody is in a coma, you leave them there in the coma, you can go get breakfast. I love I love that she's not even looking at it. Granny notices. Is it supposed to be doing that? And she's like, what? She pulls it out of nowhere. It's like her she's like waiting for a text, but someone else notices that the text comes in. Like I it because it's so big. Every time I forget how big it is. And then it's just like she's holding it in front of her and it looks bigger than her whole damn head. And it's so funny. And I love that like there's no the only instruction she got from this from Blue was as long as there's petals on the rose, your beast lives. So she's like, all of them are falling off. It means he's dying. Like she's extrapolated so much information. So now all the, they're, they're all going back on. So he's like, he's awake and alive. And I'm like, what if it means something else? What if it means he's regenerating like a doctor? Like he's in the TARDIS blowing the doors off with big uh, fire and stuff. And she's like, let's go. I have to go and just sprints out. I think she's still carrying the thing. I don't remember. She forgets. Anyway, she yes. forgets the food. She leaves the food behind. She can't wait She's for like, soup. I don't have time, but Granny already gave it to her in to-go containers. She's like, I don't have time. You just got here. Why did you come here? It took you longer to walk here than it did for any of this scene to happen. <sighs> Belle. <laughs> she raises back and she finds Mr. Gold as a baby. He's been reincarnated. No, he's he's gone. No, he's missing. That would have been hysterical, I like going it. full Pinocchio. Oh yeah. <laughs> But no, he is with the Dark One. He immediately recognizes that she is the Dark One. And he's like, what do you want from me? And she's, she says, uh, we're going to do some uh, some hero training, some some new savior training, savior 2.0. I'm going to teach you how to be the bestest, goodest boy of all the good boys. Because I have you in dollhouse mode. You are my clean slate. Oh, and Jane Essenson wrote on dollhouse. What? The moment you said that, I was like, there it is. The, uh, the I never remember the phrase tableau tab tableau the tableau rasa right tableau tableau rasa something like that something like that yeah something like that that show was bad oh I wanted to like it so much I love Eliza Dushku is that who was in it yeah it was Eliza Dushku okay see Eliza Dushku this was like the worst role for her to be in because she's great at like one thing and that role required her to be everything's and she can't yeah. do everything she can do one she- thing very well so she is she is so much shorter than i thought she was like i saw her at a comic-con one time coming out of a bathroom which is a story all by itself um but she's like she's and i'm kind of short she was so short and she's so like tiny. but she does look like she could absolutely beat the shit out of me like it was one of those like oh my god she's so cute and i'm gonna die don't look at her like don't look directly (laughs) at her no eye contact because to me elijah dushku will always be the uh the punk uh in um, oh no, cheerleading movie. Bring it on. I oh, I always think of Faith from Buffy. No, she's, to me, she's, I, I was obsessed with Bring It On. Like, I was just like, this, that's, cause that's what I thought I was. I was like, I'm that one. And I'm like, I'm none of them. <laughs> I'm none, <laughs> none of the characters here. I'm like the dorky brother that doesn't get any attention and annoys everyone. <laughs> I'm that character. <laughs> oh, anyway. So, yeah, so anyway. that is where we leave Emma, Doc, Doc, Emma. She is, she has, she has gold and she's going to do some hero training, which I remember you were talking about, like, the training of the source, like, the sorcerer's apprentice is there. I guess he's not there, but gold is still, I didn't remember that gold does hero training. I, I remembered th- the training and I think I just put the sorcerer there. I forgot that Emma was involved. I, oh. I forgot what that storyline was. I'm so excited for hero training. 
It's going to be the so dark one silly. trying to teach a hero. Oh, fabulous. It's going to be so ridiculous. I cannot wait. Well, meanwhile, the dwarves are mad because Emma stole their axe. And so they head off to see Snow and Charming, who are taking care of the baby. And they're just like, you got to do something. Otherwise, we are. And, and Snow and Charming's solution is just be like, don't do anything. We're not going to do anything because eventually Emma will be a good person again. But until then, we're just going to like keep it chill. Can we just like yeah. keep it chill? please yeah charming had that like and i say this because i rewatched the crown like everyone else in the universe in the last like month or so and it's that whole like queen elizabeth thing the, you know there's nobility there's 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 strength in doing absolutely nothing we will do nothing we will stay silent and strong and it's like that's charming's whole thing what if we just do nothing instead this seems so much better well, no, see, that's like what Snow does, but that does not satisfy Charming because this whole no. episode is Charming feeling inadequate. And um, <sighs> at one point, he literally tells King Arthur, I don't want to be known as the guy who kissed the princess awake. I I was so, I was so mad about that line <laughs> because like that's what he thinks his notoriety is. none of the other stuff clocks for him apparently like he's so hung up on that but like the dad stuff doesn't come into play like there's sometimes when it's just like like someone going through a midlife crisis and they're like i don't want to just be known as a parent which is fair you can lose yourself in being a parent feel like you're not like a person you just feel like you're doing a job like i get that but that's not what he does because he's never really been a dad like, I could see him mentioning that. He's just like, I have a kid that I was never even there for. Like, I can't even say that I raised the savior or even raised the dark one because I fully didn't. It's just this one thing he did five million years ago and he's still hung up on it. And it's his wife. Why is he mad about a cool thing that happened with his wife? Well, that's the thing. And that's the thing that pisses me off because, like, it's he one he saved her life so there you go but also it sounds like he's resentful of his wife being more successful than he is like she's the one who's snow and she's the one who got to be the hero and save the realms and i'm just the guy who hangs out with her and we kind of see that in the author's world where snow is the evil queen and then charming is you know, the the Huntsman character who's had his heart ripped out. He's subservient. They're definitely drawing this, like, idea that David is... What's what's the word? Like, he's cowed or, like, there's a whole... He's, like, at her heel. Yeah, a little you know? bit. I... And I will... And I know we're not there yet, but the juxtaposition between the, like, I don't want to just be the guy that kissed the girl awake to the scene where he's sitting in, spoilers, uh, Siege Perilous... And Snow has to exit because she's the only one taking care of a child. Like, that had such a wild, like, real world. Like, as we talk about, one of the great things about uh, Once Upon a Time is just, like, like your fairy tale characters being, like, real. That's what that is. That's a guy going through a midlife crisis about his career while a real thing is happening that that desires his attention and it just takes his wife away. Like, his wife is fully committed. She's like, I'm so proud of you, honey. Oh, I have to go. Which is hysterical because then it also leads to more plot points. Like, her taking care of her son leads them further down the plot. Anyway, it there were a lot of layers. And knowing that Jane Espenson wrote this makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And, and, and you think about, like, there was actually a deleted scene in the show called Dad Duty 
where you see David taking care of of baby Neil, and they got rid of it. So they good. St- Maybe they said he was babysitting, and someone punched him in the face. <laughs> You're such a good dad watching your son. Meanwhile, no one's giving Snow any credit. Oh, none I just, at all. I, that's the that's the whole like we've talked about how like David is not the right kind of like he's not a parent. He's not an involved parent, but like everyone just assumes Snow will be. Like I know we lose track of baby Neil a lot, but like when Neil is there, Snow is the only one taking care of it and then never says about anything to anybody. You know what I mean? Like it's never, yeah. hey, can someone else I need to go be a full person somewhere else for a little while. I need to go disassociate in the cereal aisle for a little bit. Please, somebody take this baby from me. No. Charming gets to go on a whole adventure. Snow is just like, I guess I'll hold the baby while my my, my husband is spiraling out of control. Yeah, like there's that uh, whole scene last season where, where Mary Margaret's playing the role of mayor and there's a whole power outage situation. Charming is doing who knows what and she has to solve, the, she has to bring the baby into a dangerous power station and and try and feed him, like breastfeed him while she's fixing the power. And meanwhile, Charming's just off with Emma doing God knows what. It's such like a... It, Especially this King Arthur thing is because it's like, or where they're at right now, is because it is such like a vacationing with a baby moment where like the dad's trying to have a good time and go on adventures and you're just like, I'm just being a mom in a different location right now. Like, this is not fun for me. This is not a fun vacation for me. It's not a vacation. It's just resuming my duties near bigger bodies of water. Um, Because she's not going on an adventure. She's not learning about herself. She's just she landed on a cyclone with a baby. She's probably like needs to stay up and cry and drink a white claw or something. Girl's probably got some feelings. But at least she looks fabulous. She's got a little little crown on her short hair. She's got beautiful dresses. She looks so pretty. Baby Neil's got his royal. little his little his little um cloak thing that he's wearing, his little baby cloak. I like it when we see Neil, but then when we don't see Neil and it's clearly fake, Snow is just holding what I, I feel like they just like wrapped up a big honey baked ham <laughs> because it just looks so huge and awkward. And I'm like, Neil's not that old. <laughs> like, no, no, he is not that big yet, y'all. <laughs> All right, we well. just jumped in time and had her in a baby Bjorn or something. Had Neil in like a baby Bjorn while like Snow's out tromping around learning to shoot bows. Anyway, we'll move on. Oh, that would be awesome. I would love uh, baby, baby Bjorn Snow. Yes. Or Baby Bjorn yes. David. You know what? Take take baby Neil out on your grand quest. And maybe he would have noticed that King Arthur stole your crimson crown. All right. Well, we're, we are in the process of trying to fill the gaps of what happened in those six weeks. And we have a clue. Regina finds in her a book from Camelot, there is a, a highlighted page over the Crimson Crown. Uh, and it, Regina recognizes it as her handwriting. And they see it as, oh, this is a, a mushroom that we can use, that can be used to uh, cross, talk across magical barriers. And they're like, okay, clearly we were trying to talk to Merlin. Do we know what happened with this mushroom? Obviously they don't. The memory's gone. We're going to find out though. And and before they can really move on and kind of go into the next stage of this plan, Arthur shows up and he's like, hey, David, can you help me out? We had a robbery. Uh, the reliquary was uh, was was ransacked. Someone made off with the goods, including a magic bean that I was going to use to get us home. I totally had it. I had a magic real? bean. It's definitely real. We've all seen it. I could describe it if you want, but I assume you've already seen one, so I won't. Yeah. Just they definitely know what they look like. Yeah. It's like it's like a bag of sand. 
Yeah, like, it's fine. It's a bean. You know, it's green. Um, there's three of them in a pod. You dip them in soy sauce, right? It's delish. Yeah, well, you don't um, eat it. Yeah. Yeah, you mm. just eat the inside parts, right? Yeah. Like, you don't eat the shell. No. Have you seen that episode of Bluey? I'm sorry. Now all I'm thinking is, yes. the Bali beans. <laughs> Pavlova. Bean. Anyway. Okay. Pavlova. So, so David goes to help in the investigation. They interrogate uh, Griff, who is uh, the kind of just the squire of King Arthur. This guy. He looks so much like um, Joseph Quinn, the guy that played Eddie in Stranger Things. It drove me batty. Like, every once in a while he turned, I'm like, it's not him. But, like, every so often you're just like, just the light would catch him a little bit. And I'm like. He does not look like he belongs in a Camelot story. Correct. He looks like a guy they found somewhere and they just put a vest on him. But it's actually interesting that you say that because they did find him somewhere interesting. Oh, no. Where did they find him interesting? They found him on Once Upon a Time. Because he played Rip Van Winkle in that deleted scene from season three. That's why they deleted it. They couldn't let us know. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, we got to save this guy. We got to save this guy because he's the one who King Arthur is going to convince to uh, die by suicide. We got to save this. We're playing a long game with a horrible one-off storyline. We definitely had it planned out that far ahead for this definitely very pivotal moment. Well, they don't really get a lot of information from Griff. They see it seems like they've hit a dead end. They go to talk to Belle, try and see if anyone tried to pawn anything off. Obviously, they didn't. No one, no one's pawned a magic no. bean. Belle would have probably said something if someone came in with a magic bean. What? Let's go. Uh, but Charming's got a plan because he listen. He found the Holy Grail. Listen, this was my favorite joke in the whole episode. It was great. I This is the stuff we need. When we talk about like the radio spots and stuff like this, randomly finding out that Doc had a birthday party and he referred to it as Doctoberfest and everyone got a mug. Amazing. That, I... Yeah, that's, I love that so much. That's great world building. It's great character work. It's it's it, it's a, you know, it's not a show don't tell. It's definitely a tell thing, but it tells us something really fun and gives us this really great insight. And it's also a really fun joke because the whole thing about Siege Perilous is that he's the guy who's destined to find the Holy Grail. Well, charming. He found it. The Holy Grail. It's a Doctober te- Doctoberfest thing. He probably got off Vistaprint. Yes. <laughs> but like... And, and I'm not going to harp on this too much, but, like, the reason I like jokes like this is because a lot of the times they're only referencing things we've seen. So it doesn't seem like anything is happening other than what we've witnessed. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes it flat. So knowing that other things are going on or that time is changing in any sort of way or things like that, that's amazing. Like, that gives me, that grounds it and also fills out the story a little bit more. That's all I'll say. Also, I want to mug this as Doctoberfest, like... 2014 on it or something it kind of reminds me how in season one we had the the city council meeting like the town council where we see the uh the uh city council members and regina's holding a meeting and they're talking about municipal stuff which we never happen again but like that indicates that there is a larger you know municipal system that's happening that we don't know about so yes those those little filling in the pieces are are fantastic but this is going to fulfill a specific purpose. Charming takes it back to the like 
what, like two dozen people at Camelot? Camelot was very sparsely populated. I guess King Arthur murdered almost everyone, apparently. Well, when anyone gets too close to it, he just feeds them their special poison. <laughs> for Camelot! For Camelot! And he holds up uh, Doctoberfest and goes, This is the Holy Grail! Anyone who drinks it will instantly tell the truth or, or like, will be outed as the thief or something. I've got a total thing planned, um, so don't run away because just drink the cup and immediately the guy who did it runs away and the guy's like listen i'm not catholic i can't take communion puts his hood up and runs <laughs> and we get the scene abby can you can you can you can you take me through the scene i want to hear it through your your beautiful voice so so first of all we 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 interrogate young griff Young Griff, a character that's shockingly let, left out of Game of Thrones. But we'll get to that later. We'll talk about it later. I don't know when, but we will. And they throw him in the old holding holding. Oh, cell. no. I want to Which talk scene? about the chase. I want to talk about the chase. The chase. I. How did I skip the chase? I was just like, anyway, he's in. The- I was like, oh, she wants me to talk about him being being unalived. Uh, no. So he. Young Griff takes off. On foot. Because he doesn't know cars exist, and then he's on horseback, and then he and then he's like, "I want to take a horseback because nothing could possibly be faster than a horse. They'll never catch me. I'll be faster than the wind." Dave David basically shoves Arthur into his like brown Chevy. I don't even know what kind of I don't even know what kind of truck this is. Just his brown sheriff mobile. And my favorite part of that is just like I don't think Arthur has ever. He obviously doesn't know what this is, but is soon driving it. Yes. Which is hysterical to me. <laughs> and it's it's a lot of just, like, them doing a lot of, like, car chase moves. And it's a lot. It's so much fun because there's a horse involved. There's the brown truck. And they're just doing all kinds of things. And then somewhere in the middle of that, David is on, like, a good idea machine run. Because he's just like, the goblet was a great idea. You know what's a better idea? I got some two by fours because I was dadding it up and building a deck earlier. <laughs> so I got something in the back of my truck. Arthur, you drive this machine, a hand on the steering wheel, put your feet on the pedals and I'm going to get in the back. And I just want you to drive at him. And he bet I, I've done this. I, I now own a truck. The number of times I've held something that was, pole or board like and stood in the back of my truck and tried to figure out if I could joust somebody off the back of my truck is I could I, I could count it on, on two hands but I've done it a number of times first of all highly recommend it's a lot of fun I I had not done this up until this point I will tell you now with experience 10 out of 10 I would love to joust somebody with a two by four on the back of my own truck there needs to be handles because he would have hit, he would have just fallen down. Oh yeah, he would have, he would have gone flying. I believe David probably has some decent core strength and some serious quads, but I do not think he would have been able to stay standing, especially after he then absolutely murders Griff. <laughs> Griff should not be alive. Oh yeah, no, this, the, he was decapitated. Yes, he. If anything, he should have been kebobbed. On the, like, just his whole, like, sternum goes all the way through his body. And he's just on a stick. Because he hits him so hard. 
And Griff's like, ah, Farlin. I I had to laugh because have you been watching House of the Dragon at all? I have. Okay, so my favorite thing is that they they make sure you know that the animals are fine. Because like I think it's like the first episode, there's a like the point where it looks like the horse absolutely eats uh eats dirt. And I'm like, that that horse is dead, but then they like make a point to show while his rider is being absolutely destroyed and murdered uh the horse gets up and leaves it's just like (laughs) listen we're gonna rip a full mandible off a person but the horse is fine don't worry about buttercup buttercup's doing great because the uh, buttercup's fine in this scene too uh anyway yeah griff's everyone should be dead in this scene including arthur somehow i feel like that truck doesn't have airbags and yeah. I'm, I 100% believe he would have crashed into a truck. And he wouldn't have put on the seatbelt because he doesn't know what a seatbelt is. No, of course not. Also, I feel like Arthur's that kind of guy who would just be like, why do I need to wear my seatbelt? <laughs> I know like three cases in which a seatbelt didn't work, so I don't need to wear one. So it's fine. <laughs> well, before we get to the the final scene between Arthur and, and Griff, uh, we need to know a little bit more. We need to tease a bit more about Arthur because something is going on. Because while all of this is happening, uh, Charming comes across that crimson crown that they had seen in that book. So now they're like, sweet, problem solved. We can now we can now talk to Merlin and figure out how to save Emma. But how did it get there in the first place, Abby? Oh, it just grows in Storybrooke, Beth. He just found it on the ground. Oh, oh, well, episode over. Thank Case you so closed. much for joining us for this latest episode of Once Upon a Time. You can follow me at justabby.com. Um... <laughs> So, yeah, let's talk about where where our mushroom came from. Yeah. It came from Toadstool Kingdom, full of a bunch of New York plumbers. (laughs) Oh, yes, we saw that trailer. Ooh! Yes. So, let's, 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 let's go back in time. About six weeks to Arthinian? Arthur? What do they call it? There's like an Arthur time. I forget what it's called. It doesn't matter. Arthurian legend. Arthurian, thank you. So we go back and they've decided they Regina goes through her spell book. She's like, hey, we needed this crimson crown. And David's like, I'll totally go. I'm not being useful here at all. Meanwhile, Snow holding baby. Yeah. That's fine. You go. I'll just just be here with the baby alone. You go on. You go out with the boys. Saturdays are finding the crimson crown, or for finding the crimson crown, because he wants to go on an adventure. Yes, he does. He he wants to feel useful. He wants to feel important. He wants to feel like a man. And this is this this already feels so dated because this is like not the way that we respond to this kind of this machismo. Like we don't really respond to this kind of. Rep- we consider this more like a toxic you know, representation of masculinity. It's like, I have to go and kill the boar and prove myself and, and damn my family. My family will be fine without me. And like, David's done this before. Like, he did this and he got a poison on uh, in Neverland. Yeah. And, he, and he, then he didn't tell his wife that he was poisoned. Yeah. While she wants to have another baby. Like, Charming yeah. just keeps going he keeps going on his own he keeps feeling inadequate and instead of finding satisfaction and happiness in the life he has and the family he has and should be backing he keeps needing to 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 assert his own 
independent, separate from his family, which is just so immature. Yeah, this is um, just to just to just to speak on current events. This is a lot. What's going on with Tom Brady? It's just <laughs> sometimes <laughs> you just gotta go home uh, and be with your family, okay? Because uh, he's literally like Charming has literally promised he'd never do this again, like with the Neverland thing, and now he's going off on a strange adventure in a land he does not know, and abandoning now suddenly more family. He. Like, Snow was pregnant in Neverland, and he knew that, right? He knew that when the whole Neverland thing went down, if yes. I'm remembering correctly. Yep. But now Neil exists. So, like, by machismo rules, he can now see the baby, and he has object permanence, and he can understand that there is a child that he would be leaving behind. He's like, no, nothing bad ever happens to the Charmings. What's going to happen? And so he volunteers for this, and it just... the fact I think the fact that this this doesn't culminate in the lesson that, you know... He doesn't need to be doing this. His family is the adventure he needs is the 2022 lens here because that's usually how these storylines end now. Yep. But then they end and we don't repeat them because you do bring up a good point. We've done this before with Charming. And like, yeah, he's going to go by himself and just and and probably never come back. But Arthur volunteers to go with him is like, hey, let's do a bro quest. It's going to be great. I packed snacks. Going on a mushroom and my favorite part is their bro talk. Their bro talk is so bad. It's awful. You would think these two had been locked up for two years in COVID and don't know how to talk to people. Because David's like, hey, so I got an empty seat at your round table. Set where Set where when it's a lot set. No, you had like a weird love triangle thing. I was like, why are you doing this? Like this isn't this isn't what we do. Let's get together and trauma dump, but I'm gonna force it out of you. Don't need to do that. Don't need to be like, oh, yeah, I heard about that. Because that's what he says. He's like, I heard about your love triangle thing. Why? Why would you tell somebody that? (laughs) Saw on Facebook from your aunt's cousin's nephew's postal worker that you were going through kind of a rough time. I mean, it 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 definitely... So I know, like, with social media stars, like, there is a... We saw this with the Try Guys. There is a an attachment that people get to the inner lives of people that they idolize. This is just the the charming medieval version of that. This is the <laughs> Enchanted Forest version of hero. What is it called? Like when you have like that kind of attachment to somebody. I mean, it's a parasocial relationship. Thank in you. Our kind of, it's in our kind of thing. And I will say, I do argue a little bit that some of it's not parasocial. I think it's just that like... Specifically with the Try Guys thing, but I would say it would also applicable to the Charming thing because Charming's kind of a messy bitch. It's that like, it's that like little old lady quilting circle drive that we all have of just wanting to sit in a circle and be like, did you hear Ned cheated on his wife? With who? A girl he works with at a Harry Styles concert and everyone's putting the pieces together and forming a timeline like a freaking CSI episode. Like, that's the, like, that's what TikTok was doing with that. And I think that's the same way Charming was, which is like, I heard about your love triangle. Like, what happened there? (laughs) I just heard that it happened. But like, why? Like, tell me every single detail about it so I can go tell it to my wife. Yes, I'm I'm, I'm kind of, I understand. I'm kind of messy for the drama. Yeah. You can tell me. I won't. I, I I won't tell anybody. Meanwhile, he's like texting it word for word to Snow in his other hand, just like and Snow's like, speak. 
And Snow's like, I don't care. I, I, the baby just threw up on me again. I'm busy. Snow is like in the room, like, like on the verge of like losing her mind. Cause she's like having some sort of like problem with the baby. Like he won't stop crying. And he just gets like, she gets a text and it's from charming that just says, Lancelot dot 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 a hoe question mark and then like a bunch of gifts from like a movie from something from nowhere just like and just chucks the phone just like I don't care right now what are you doing I thought you were on an epic adventure and you're just getting like you're just having a weird emotional like journey because they talk the whole time they go there too like they talk about Siege Perilous they talk about the love triangle with Lancelot and he's like oh by the way he's dead I just love he's like by the way mm, he's dead um, and then they walk and they've also got like, again, one of my favorite gags is that they pull, they've got the, what is it called? The thing with all of their magical items. Um, shoot. The, the thing that they lost in Starbrook. The reliquary. The reliquary. He reaches into that and pulls out an, a lit torch. He's like, we're going to need this. There you <laughs> so, go. Oh, Jesus. Uh, he pulls that out. He's like, we're going to need this. And they use it to light. And it's so funny because it's such a small torch and it's like lighting everything like it's the middle of the day and it just i don't know that just it just makes me laugh and they find they get to a bridge it's like a bridge in a murky water and they're like there it is and arthur points and charming pulls out this like really tiny (laughs) telescoping thing he's just like yeah i see it (laughs) i see it it's like it's 20 feet in front of you man get glasses Well, I mean, he's too busy talking about how he was a shepherd and bonding with King Arthur about how they were both common boys. He doesn't have time to look straight ahead of him. I'm obsessed with their, like, like it was a gag in Deadpool, but it was just one of those, like, oh, yes, I was common born. Me too. How common born were you? And it was just, like, who was the most, like real country american you know what i mean which then is even funnier because then they were both in their truck like yeah (laughs) trying to hit somebody off a horse which to be fair is a very like bored in the midwest kind of activity i assume happens she says living in the midwest knowing it's probably happened um but yeah and charmin's like i will go i will cross the tiny bridge there's no way it could support two of us i know physics it's how i also know (laughs) A two by four at 65 miles an hour won't ex- completely explode a sternum of a fully grown man. <laughs> yeah, and they're like, it won't support two people. And then it later supports two people just fine. It later supports two people. Uh, and I, I also I also just kind of think it's funny because like it's like the world's worst bridge. Because it's just like kind of floating on the water. And the moment he steps on it, he's two feet into the water. Like, it's terrible. Just swim. But he goes, and then it has that like the bog thing from Lord of the Rings going on. I definitely had that, like that Markiplier, uh, you know, you do not recognize the bodies in the water sound going on in my head. And he goes over, he fully pulls out a pocket knife to cut a mushroom. I don't know if you've ever picked a mushroom. They're soft. Yeah. Like styrofoam. <laughs> you didn't need to pull out your buck knife for it, but whatever he gets, he's like, I have it. And he holds it up and he shakes it. And I swore that it was going to fall apart. Like it did not, it was a bad, it was, it did not look good. It, it, bad prop. It looked like someone made a mushroom out of like that, like stuff you use to like fill the creases in your windows. <laughs> just like, I'm going to design it with it. Like a five minute crafts video. Is just like, we're going to show you how to make a mushroom with this like insulation. With insulation and some newspaper. Yeah. And it's so, like fingernail polish and a hot glue gun. Let's go. 
And he gets it, and then she starts walking. And then there was, like, this this whole thing was just, like, so there's something in the water. It's, like, the guardian of the wa- the guardian of the crimson. I feel like there had to have been something else on this little island. No, besides it's a- just this... I think Single it's just mushroom. the I think it's just the crimson crown. I mean, that's why there's only one. No one I, I, no one's supposed to have this thing. It's it's very special because we need Charming to fight something. I liked this it's, fight scene. I I also like this fight scene. It did make me wonder. I guess I kind of forget how they end up using it. I feel like they use the crimson crown to like put it into like a cauldron of some sort, but I have to wonder if someone tried to eat it once. It's a mushroom, man. Let's go. And tried to eat it. And absolutely, their <laughs> brain just melted out their nose. <laughs> Whoa. I can talk to everyone across all magic and time. <laughs> I can see time. It's purple. Like, it's just absolutely losing their minds. And there's this fight scene with this, like, a suit of armor mm-hmm. with no one in it. And it's just this really great fight scene. I, I There's no way to explain it. There's a really good fight scene. They win. But... They lose, I'm using giant air quotes here, they lose the Crimson Crown. They do. And, and the best part is just like, this is the first part where Charming should have been very suspicious because Arthur was just like, well, the real adventure was the friends we made along the way. Hey, old chap. <laughs> and Charming's like, that that sucks. And he goes, I know, let's go home. Like, he has no other plan. Like, someone like Arthur should have 15 plans. You know what I mean? Like, if yeah. we really needed it this bad... And he was this driven for it. He should not have just been like, "Welp." So that red flag number, I'm gonna guess six or seven at this point, <laughs> that something's weird. Yeah, because like Arthur, you know, he he he's presenting himself as a, he wants to free Merlin. Clearly, we're yeah. learning that's not the case because he hides the mushroom and he puts it away because he knows it's something that can communicate with Merlin. So like both both Arthur and Charming underreact to the gravity of the situation like this was the thing that was going to help turn everything around you both should be very upset but you're just Wait, but but they're yeah. too busy broing out what, what are you gonna like, do we had we had a good time right yeah. yeah we also no one brought snacks so we gotta we gotta get back we we gotta go but he arthur also distracts charming with a with a with a nice little job promo it's a little promotion well, kind of a demotion though, because he's already a prince. He's already a king. So, I'm I, like, so was he king? King consort, I guess. You can't be king consort. That doesn't exist. <laughs> it does. I learned all of this. I learned all of this. That's why Prince Philip was never king because there is your king, and king is the highest. There's no king consort. There's no middle ground. If you're king, you're just above the queen. So anyone married to Queen Elizabeth could not be king because that would have outranked her. Sexism So sucks. I think it exists in Game of Thrones, but it does not exist in our current, in one well, our current, European's current uh, royalty structure. That's why he was Prince Philip always and he couldn't be king because he was not, that. that's why Camilla is queen consort because that is not above King Charles. Anyway. Yeah. Systemic anyway. sexism is no fun. Yeah. It's not like, great. Why, can't, why couldn't you be? King consort sounds like a great job. Yeah. Like that just sounds like like that sounds like the perfect version of that. Just like I'm a king, but I don't have to do all the bad stuff. Like it's just like I'm just sort of here for the crown wearing and the cape wearing. Let's go. I don't have to sign any paperwork. This is awesome. It's amazing. It's the best version of a kept man. 
Um, yeah, so Arthur promotes him to knight, and he uses Excalibur in the scabbard. I noticed yes. that. And and then Charming sits in the chair, very, like, proud he, of himself. He looks... I'm... I'm not kidding. He looks like what I probably looked like when I f- got on the f- like the first ride at Galaxy's Edge. You know, <laughs> like you're sitting there just like, it's happening. I'm so happy. I did this. It's all me. I didn't have to kiss any women to get here. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so excited for this promotion. And like he doesn't even hear his own son cry. Like Snow is standing there just like, I'm so proud of you, honey. And then. Neil starts to cry because, by the way, guys, listen, I love children are great. They will always cry at the worst possible moment. <laughs> the worst possible. Oh, yeah. You will leave every wedding you ever go to. Um, or you will stand at your best friend's wedding uh, with a sleeping child on your shoulder, which is what I did. <laughs> um, anyway, so he's all excited. And then Snow excuses herself uh, to, to step out, uh, which, by the way, that baby's cries in in a castle like that had to have been, they had to have carried from everywhere. You could probably hear Henry crying from like the top is the top tall tower. You know what I mean? It can't be soundproof. Well, you mean Neil? Neil? What I say? You said well, yeah. Henry. Henry, probably Henry too. <laughs> but Henry is just like I hate all of this. <laughs> yeah, Neil, Neil's crying. Henry's whining. Pretty much the same thing. <laughs> Emma's talking to herself. It's a mess. Like these people are weird. It's like, yeah, but he just knighted somebody with a scabbard on his sword. Everyone is so super weird here. Uh, so she steps out and she sees an old friend <gasps> who she thought was dead, but he's not. And Lance he's like, not. who's sitting in my chair? Yeah. Hey, listen, he's gonna die. <laughs> like he is bad. You should hear a beetle chirping right now. Um. Sorry, I just watched Practical Magic, if that's not clear. Um, so she's like, yeah, he's... Or no, he was like, you got to get him out of there. Arthur's insane. Like, he's going to get all of you killed. He is not a good guy. He, <laughs> run. Yeah, he and literally like, calls Arthur a villain. Like, yeah, that is a villain. Like, in words that Snow would understand. That man is no good. Well, you know, the villain. <gasps> Like, oh, shit. Okay. Oh, damn. Okay. Mm. So now she knows. At least now someone has been, this information has been passed along. Yes. But but so. Charming is still under Arthur's spell. And I, my guess is that this is going to cause a rift between them because Charming, if anything, will not trust Snow until Snow is proven 150% right. Yeah. Like, why would he lie to me, though, Snow? Uh, he gave me this super cool chair. With my coat of arms on the back, and I look super good in it. I fit perfectly. Um, yeah, no, he he's so happy. Like, again, I I don't love it, but I kind of liked this version of David's weird little midlife crisis he's having. I like better than the one he was having in Neverland. So, like, I enjoyed this little bit of a ride. I know it's going to lead to a bunch of uh, Charming's bonehead antics. But this episode was fine. <laughs> this was, I'm I'm kind of okay with this episode. Yeah, it's it's okay for Charming to be, you know, quote unquote, seduced by the, you know, this 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 idea of heroism that he has that he has not felt for a long time. I understand it. It's just 
it it ends up coming multiple times at the expense of his family and i don't think they ever really rectify that because he just yeah. keeps doing it but he also never mentions his family in those moments like it's not like he's feeling he's not having that like moment of just being like i have a son i have a child now and i need to prove myself now you know what i mean like it's just this is a personal thing for him this yeah. has nothing to do with his family but like i i would 100% believe it if it was more like my wife just had a, a child and i feel like i'm not part of this because he's not because uh, he's not doing anything he's not actively part of it so he's like you know what i can do for my family i'm gonna go hunt down that damn mushroom i'm a good dad um yeah i think so if like, they reframed that- it a little bit and then also kind of let him be seduced by what Arthur promises, yeah. like maybe if you gave charming, you gave charming that motivation that he was doing it for his family, so his family can go home. He's doing it, you know. Instead of they present it as him doing it for him, he's not even really doing it for Emma. He's doing it for himself because Regina is literally like, "You don't need to go. We'll find another way." And Charming's like, "No, I need adventure. I go. Goodbye. Yeah. I see you later." Yeah, I do wish I do wish that someone would have just been like, you know, like I wish I I don't want to be like obviously Arthur wouldn't have done this, but at some point someone would have been like, you know, you've done like a lot of really cool stuff since you kissed your wife in the most romantic version of a storyteller. I mean, first of all, that's a really cool thing. Like you were truly in love with your wife and, and magic woke her up. That's great. It's amazing you found her. But he's also done other stuff. Mm-hmm. So like I that doesn't get called out to him at any point. Like I I hope it does. I don't remember if it does. Just be like, you know, you've done heroic stuff. Like, everyone believes you're a hero because of the things you continuously do. It's not like you've been sitting like Archie Bunker in a chair for the last 30 years. He literally fought an army of guards while holding his baby child in his arm to put her in a wardrobe so that she could one day return and save them all from an eternal curse. Charming. You're fine. And that was all in episode one of season one. Come on. Well, we close out with two signs (sighs) that Arthur is not what he appears to be. Because we need that reinforcement beyond Lancelot's grave warning. The first is that he is the one who took, who who removed the Crimson Crown from Charming's uh, purse. And he puts it in the reliquary and he's like, it breaks my heart to lie to Charming. I don't want to do it. He's my bro. He's my buddy. But it's for the good of the kingdom. Make a note of that line because it's going to come back in like two seconds in a lot yeah. worse way um, because we go to back to Storybrooke. Griff. Why did they call him Griff? Actually, there is actually a really funny note where apparently uh, the character's name in Arthurian legend is um, uh, Gifflet or Grifflet. Gifflet. Yeah. Grifflet. Yes. And, and Jane Espenson changed it because she thought it sounded weird. So she changed it to Griff. But all I can think of in Griff is Back to the Future 2. Biff's, like, great-grandson or something. Griff! Griff! Okay. No, yeah, it was giving me me Game of Thrones. In the books, there's a character called Young Griff. Ah. So So. so it is is a classic name, not just a futuristic name from the future (laughs) world of... What was the, like, 2003 or something? It was, like, so, like... Or 2005, and it was like super. Oh, Back future. to the Future? Yeah. 2015. Yeah, 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 yeah. 2015. The flying cars of 2015, and all, was, all the future was there for us to experience. It could have been us. 
Yes. Could have been us. I do. Like, they made those shoes, the ones that he puts on that, like, lace up. Like, Nike made those, and then they sold them for way too much money. I'm like, they do look cool. I I feel like I'd wear them now. I can't imagine they'd be comfortable, though. I can't imagine it would work well. I'm sorry. Oh, no. It would be terrible. But it's just definitely one of those, like, you you buy them for the vibes and not the comfort. (laughs) Like, I'm I'm going to sit here. I got my shoes. They look great. I can't walk I took a couple Instagram photos with them, and now they sit on this shelf. So the other thing that happens, Griff oh. is in mm. is in jail, the jail mm. in Storybrooke, and uh, King Arthur comes to visit him, and and Griff is like, "Here's some exposition. You asked me to do all this evil stuff. I stole all the stuff because we don't have a bean, but we need people to think we have a bean. It's it's very convoluted. I get it, but I kind of also wish this hadn't happened as a big exposition dump from yeah. Griff while in the jail cell. Like I I think this could have happened in so many other ways. But that's overshadowed by the fact that Arthur's like, "Yes. I need you to keep this secret, but I need you to keep it to your grave." So can we do that, please? Thanks. Here's the poison. It's going to suck for you. You're going to die a horrible, gruesome death. But you'll you'll die a martyr. That's what we want to have promoting in Once Upon a Time. Martyrdom for the state. Yeah, it's fine. Anyway, drink this Agrabarian Viper poison? Uh, it calls it Agrabah Doom Viper. Agrabah Doom Viper. So it's like it's a nod to 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 Aladdin, which we do get next much more next season. And they also had it once upon a time in Wonderland. So like, it just got it. It's just gender, male, status, deceased, cause of death, poison with Agrabah Viper venom by himself. <gasps> no, that's not his cause of death. While I want to go edit it now and just be like by himself, comma, highly, basically talked into it. By a, by his liege. There's a power dynamic problem. Come on, guys. Yeah, so Arthur wants to build a new Camelot on Earth because he recognizes they're never going to be able to go home. This is it. Storybrooke is it. So they're going to turn Storybrooke into new Camelot. Camelot 2.0. They're getting a sweet upgrade. They've got indoor plumbing now. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, but first, all the Storybrooke people are going to kind of have to submit to his rule or die. But Arthur needs a little more time to uh, to get charming more on his side. They have to have a few more bro missions, so it's gonna need Griff to do the thing. And I don't want to linger on this because it is incredibly unpleasant. I know they want to show how how Arthur is a bad person, and he does not care about people, and he also has an unhealthy control over his subjects. That's what we're getting at. Did it need to happen like this? No. 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 Am I... Ex- I have mixed feelings because it was evocative. It did do accomplish the goal. I am now like Arthur is a horrible monster person. But it's also... I mean, convincing somebody to die by suicide. That's That's messed up. And like... You know, without getting into detail, I had a family member in Jonestown. Like I was going to say it yeah. invoked Jonestown vibes to me. Yeah. Like, my great uncle was in Jonestown. Um, and so, like, this is the kind of shit that, like, 
actually has happened to people and it has real you know it's it's not just a this is not just a fantasy situation this is a very real personal painful thing that cult leaders have done that that dictators have done that really bad people have done so we didn't need this in our fantasy show yeah, and, and specifically, and I know we don't want to harp on it, so I'm going to keep bullet points here, but, like, you, you've you you've invoked the Jonestown thing, because that's exactly what I thought of, because, like, Jonestown, a lot of people, it's, they, they say it was a mass suicide, and it's not that, it's a mass murder, because he they were forced to do this, mm-hmm. um, and he was forced, again, there's a power dynamic problem, where it, he was given it, and he was told, and it, again, very Jonestown, because that's what Jim Jones told everybody, he's like, you need to do this, or they're going to come get us. They're going to come take you. They're going to come this bad thing, this bad thing, this bad thing. The only answer is this. And that's the same thing Arthur's doing here. So it did have that very like cultish vibe. And he also had like, not even just what he was saying, but he was saying it kind of crazy person kind of way where he was like not blinking and it was out of his normal character. It was letting his own personal mask slip. This is who Arthur is. Arthur is awful. And will say things like that. And anyway, that's what I'll say. So he was not, he did not die at his own hand. He died at Arthur's hand. This was murder. Yes. And the only thing I'll close out with is this is, I don't feel like this is a necessarily a taboo subject. I don't think you need to like, this is something you never show on television. You never show in movies. But I will say, this isn't something you put in once upon a time. No, especially with what we know is that the fact that it's never been fault. Fo- it's not followed up. Mm-hmm. There's no, this is why this is bad, bad. Like we're putting all of this, this is bad, bad on it ourselves. The show never does this. The show never answers for this. This is not one of his high crimes. Because also no one ever finds out about it. Yeah. Um, because the because I, the body disappears with magic because we have to make yeah. it easy, easy, easy cleanup. Um, I will point out, just to segue us out of here, uh, he is another one from the show that was also in iZombie for eight episodes, apparently. Interesting. Yeah. Anyway, I looked him up because I thought he looked familiar, but I think, (laughs) again, I I feel like I'm just seeing Joseph Quinn, and that's what's driving me nuts. But he's been in a lot of stuff. Good for him. Good for for him. And he was on Once Upon a Time twice, technically, as two different characters, even though one never made it to actual airing on television. We love it. A deleted, uncredited scene. Good for you. <laughs> oh, oh, I feel like I'm going to sneeze. Woo. My nose. Woo. Well, everybody, on that wonderful, positive, uplifting note, <laughs> that was season five, episode three, Siege Perilous. And it is indeed a perilous seat because we are in dangerous waters. Charmin's butt might be a little bit on fire. Uh-oh. Feeling hot, hot, hot. Uh. Makes him sound like a, he's lying. <laughs> His, his pants are on fire. I mean, he's a liar. He's lying to himself about Arthur. He's lying to himself about quite a bit of things. Let's yes. just. Oh, I, I feel like I, I. I feel like if Snow had an Instagram, she would have like mom in her bio. But Charming definitely doesn't have dad in his bio. No, he definitely has a picture of himself in his truck with sunglasses. Oh, like a bunch. Oh, yeah. Like a bunch. So many. And they all look the same, but for some reason he's taken so many of them and they're all on different days. They're all on different days. He takes them like he's he's supposed to be like scouting stuff. He's like, I'm going to take this one. It's going to be nice. It's just like, ugh. I want to, I, I, you know what? That's what I want. I want the Storybrooke Instagram 
Like, I want to see what everyone's Instagramming because it's got to be just like a lot of food from Granny's Diner. Just like, I want to see the ones from the beer garden before it got destroyed. Those had to have been wild. Oh, yeah. And and a lot of nice, like, woodsy shots. Nice. There's so many filters. Happy puts up a reel with real sad music of all the times he's used his big X. All <laughs> around me are familiar faces. I went to the vitamin C graduation song. As we go on, <laughs> we remember all the times. Because it seems like he would pick something that's not, not supposed to be super sad, but it was like actually super sad, but it's kind of happy because it's happy. Oh my God, I want I just want all of the, the storybook Instagram nonsense uh, there's got to be so much drama oh yeah oh, oh yeah it. well overall i think that this was with the exception of that final that final thing we talked about i think overall this was a better episode than i anticipated um yeah i i still when i was still cackling when i saw the two by four thing uh, my husband was actually like kind of going up and down the stairs and i'm just like start laughing and he looks at me and i was like I'm like, this is once upon a time. This is one of the greatest moments in the entire show. And I made him watch it. He, I, did, he didn't get it. What made it so great. And I'm just like, you don't understand. Like, this is, this is, this is how you explain once upon a time to people. Prince Charming is in the back of a 1985 Ford F-150 with a two by four while King Arthur is driving and Lance and, 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 uh, yeah, lancing down one of, a, a betrayer, quote unquote, in Arthur's court in the middle of a field in New England. Like, that's how you explain, <laughs> explain Once Upon a Time. It's just like, here's some characters doing the most out-of-pocket nonsense. And I have seen that scene mentioned numerous times in the moment people were like, at what point do you think Once Upon a Time? Or it was always like, the prompt was always like, what do you think is the point when your show just became insane? And it was always like, it's always like that moment. Yeah. It's always that moment. Like that moment is such a crystallizing moment for everybody in the fandom of just being like, okay, this is it. I don't know if it's the jump the shark moment. It's got a different name that I can't quite think of. It's just the the apex of, I, I don't know. It's everything that the story was trying to be coming together in one amazing moment. Such a good scene. I mean, I think we what? can just call it what it is. It's the charming on a two by four, charming two by four moment. Charming two by four, just like truck check, two by four check. <laughs> well, everyone, thank you so much for joining us for this latest episode of Once Upon a Timing. We want to thank our amazing patrons, especially our Swan Queen patrons. This week's Patreon shout out goes to Patrick Stevens. Thank you, Patrick. If you're interested in supporting us on Patreon, you can head to patreon.com slash Timing. You can support us on Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm working on getting us on iHeartRadio, so be keep a keep an eye on that as well. And um, you can join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash OUA timing. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Beth Elderkin. I'm at just underscore Abby. And we're going to be back next week with season five, episode four, The Broken Kingdom. Broken <gasps> Kingdom. So thank you, everyone, for joining us. And Abby, we will see you next week. See you next week.
have redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.